Turn with me, please, maybe for an opening thought to Matthew chapter 2. Passage that uh, came to mind as I was pulling my thoughts together, Matthew chapter 2. Well-known passage for this time of year. Verse 1, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophets have written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly, found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose, went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Well, no one uh, passage from Scripture... Um, and I'll come back to this passage a little later, but uh, I hope you heard um, that the uh, Magi were overjoyed when they saw the Messiah. They followed a star that rose in the east and uh, followed that star to Bethlehem. Uh, they worshipped. And uh, ultimately, I think, as I was reading the account this, this week, um, they followed the star, they came to Jerusalem, and they I think they assumed that the king would know where this baby child was. I think they were expecting um, celebrations that the Messiah, the king of Israel, was here. And I think to their surprise, uh, they learned that Herod had no idea what they were talking about. But they knew they were following the star, they found the Messiah, they worshiped, and they gave gifts. I'm going to share some thoughts I've been having recently about the Advent season, and um, I hope that uh, it encourages your heart and mind to prepare for uh, this coming Christmas and be deliberate about uh, your thinking around uh, the reasons Christ came. And um, my thinking is rooted in um, a comment from my four-year-old grandson. We were visiting their place and uh, we had given them advent calendars, all the grandchildren. And he looked at me with his advent calendar and he said, no Santa, four years old, no Santa. 
I was tempted in my uh, great-grandfatherly voice to say, well, grandson, Christmas isn't about Santa. And I decided it wasn't my place or time to uh, teach my four-year-old what Christmas is all about. I, I know my son listens to some of our recorded messages, and I have full confidence in my son and daughter-in-law to raise their kids. They, they do send their um, children to a Christian school. I sometimes critique the school because it has an emphasis on Latin. It's very ironic tonight that I'm going to work through some Latin words with you as we think about Christmas and the traditions around Christmas. So let's think first about um, bear with me. It's, it's a message entitled yeah. Arrow Cross. Show of hands who have, knows what this uh, Latin phrase means, Arrow Cross. I'm going to give you an explanation tonight that I've appreciated, Arrow Cross come to its definition in a moment. Uh, it's part of the Advent season, and I'm sure you're comfortable with knowledge that there's four Sundays in the Advent season, and those four Sundays are representative of four aspects of uh, the Christmas event. And the first Sunday, you would light a candle for hope and think about reasons for hope. The second Sunday, you would light a candle and think about peace. And you would think of reasons for peace. And the third Sunday, joy. Fourth Sunday, love. And it's a fixed season. And um, I think it's a marvelous way of preparing for uh, what Christmas means. But uh, in reflection, um, I think we recognize that there's a lot of people that don't have hope, don't have peace, don't have joy, don't have love this year and years past. And um, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, we do have hope, we do have peace, we do have joy, we do have love. It's not perfect yet, but someday it will be. Advent is a Latin word and it means the coming. And it's thinking about the coming of the Messiah Christ. It's a um, word though that's drawn from the Greek word parousio, which is a Greek word used in the New Testament to describe the Lord's second coming. And Advent season encouraged me to think that it was both about the first coming of the Lord Jesus, and it was always about the second coming of the Lord Jesus. The early church from the fifth century on chose to think about the advent of the Christ, both his first coming and his second coming. And so uh, if you remember one thing uh, I say tonight, uh, our thinking around Christmas should focus both on Christ's birth and his second coming, a day to come. And I want to encourage you that 
that day coming will bring us hope, peace, joy, and love. All we can appreciate it now, there's a day coming when um, we will fully appreciate these aspects of our life with the Lord, hope, peace, joy, and love. There's a lot of traditions wrapped around Christmas time, and, and the wreath with four candles is part of that tradition. And, and Peter Richardson taught me a new thought tonight, that tradition is the answer to questions we've forgotten. And I think the thinking around where these four candles came from and the traditions, we forgot the original question that was asked in the fifth century in the church but we've appreciated the tradition over the years. Um, I'm not here tonight to say we should start lighting candles in the, the sanctuary here, and, and, but it, it's good in our personal lives, I think, to be deliberately thinking about these things at this time of year. What is our hope? What is our peace? What is our joy? What is our love? I learned of one friend this month who is putting all her joy thoughts, a daily joy thought in a bottle. And what a wonderful idea. I chose to use the U version study, 28 days of Advent, and I enjoy the app that gives me guidance every day for 28 days on reasons for hope, peace, joy, and love. We encourage you to maybe choose an app like that that would guide you through some thinking around the Advent season, but particularly as it guides you to thinking around the second coming of Christ. In my thinking around Advent and the origins of the Advent season, though, I came across this little study piece that I want us to spend some time on. Aerocross. Aerocross is a Latin phrase translated into English as tomorrow I will come. An Advent season was started in the 5th century of the church in northern Italy in the 6th century. Uh, they came up with this little practice in the church to recite the O Antiphon. So I'm thinking no one here may have heard about the O Antiphon before. Show of hands if you've heard of the O Antiphon. Um, I appreciated this little acrostic that comes and is described as the O antiphons. And aerocross is a Latin phrase that means tomorrow I will come. And the early church chose deliberately to use this phrase to guide their thinking for the last week of Advent season. So always on the 17th, you would think of O sapientia, the wisdom of God, O sapientia. On the 18th, you would think, O Adonai, and antiphons, by the way, are chants, and they're like a Gregorian chant, and they would be used in the evening prayers of a church as a chant. So on the 18th, it would be a chant, O Adonai. On the 19th, O Radix Jesse. And I'm giving you the English translations here. Maybe you're uh, online and don't have the English translations. So let me go back. On the 17th, O Sapientia, O Wisdom. 18th, O Adonai, O Lord. 19th, O Radix Jesse, O Root of Jesse. On the 20th, 
Oclavis David, O'Keefe David. On the 21st, O Orions, O Rising Sun. On the 22nd, O Rex Gentium, O King of the Nations. And on the 23rd, O Emmanuel, God with us. So leading up to Christmas Eve then, you use these four, sorry, seven antiphons to focus your mind on thinking about the coming Christ. And the phrase, tomorrow I will come, and the acrostic is revealed in the letters of the first word, Emmanuel, Rex, Oriens, Clavis, Radix, Adonai, Sapientia. And those are some uh, Latin words to, to chew on with the English translation, but they're all based on verses from Isaiah, and you might not be able to see the references on the slide. I'm happy to share this with anyone that uh, is interested in this, but um, personally for me, as I approach uh, Christmas Eve then, I would want to be thinking along these lines. What is it about the wisdom of God that encourages me? And there is much to be thinking about. We could spend all evening speaking on every, any particular aspect of this acrostic. Um, O Adonai means lawgiver, powerful king, lawgiver, O Adonai. Root of Jesse means that uh, his lineage is through the house of David or the house of Jesse, uh, as prophesied. Key of David uh, refers to the throne of David that will endure forever. O Orients is the rising sun in the east in particular. O Rex Gentium, O King of the Nations, I appreciated that thought that um, the Lord is not King of the Nations at this point. He's not King of Israel at this point, but there is a coming day when he will be King of the Nations. So our verse here reveals that every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. There is a coming day when the King of the Nations will take his throne. Oh, Emmanuel, God with us. And we appreciate that at, at Christmas time, don't we, as we think about the Christ child coming to earth to live amongst men and live with a purpose. That purpose was revealed in God's perfect wisdom through prophecy, through the scriptures, there would be a Christ child that came to live with his people and to die for his people, to take the sins of the people and to be the redemption for people. It's a beautiful thought, and I want to spend a bit of time on one particular O Orions. Um, it encourages me to think of a future day coming when there will be a rising star in the east or a rising sun in the east. It will come forth. O Orients, Isaiah 9-2 is a verse that said, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of darkness, on them a light has come. That prophecy has been fulfilled through Lord Jesus' birth. It will be fulfilled again when people living in darkness will see a great light. Malachi 4.2 says this, But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. Malachi 4.2, I don't believe, um, 
refers to Christ's first coming. I think it's specifically referring to Christ's second coming. But you who fear my name, the son of righteousness, shall rise with healing in his ways. And then we come to the New Testament, a verse I love, 2 Peter 1.19, and you know these verses. We have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you would do well to pay attention to as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. In 2 Peter Peter's focused on the Lord's return. He's saying, people are saying, where is the Lord's return that he promised? It's not coming. It's slow. And Peter would remind us that the Lord is not slow concerning his promises. Be not willing that any should perish. Peter's saying he's coming. We have the word of prophecy more sure. You do well to pay attention to it until that day, the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart. That thrills my, my heart, challenges me. I hope you still remember what Jerry Libby was sharing with us one Sunday, and he was work, working our thoughts through Romans chapter 8. At the end of his message on Sunday, he started focusing in on the Lord's return, and he would remind us from Romans 8 that would say that the earth is currently suffering. Creation groans. And we can see that all around us, can. Creation is groaning. The world is in a tough place. But Romans 8 reminds us we eagerly await the liberation, the freedom, the adoption of sons. And there was a challenge from Jerry's message. The things we go through have purpose, but are we eagerly awaiting the Lord's return? That was a challenge to me, and a challenge to all of us as we think about Christmas season and this, this phrase, air across, tomorrow I will come. Not advocating tonight that we go back to learning Latin. I'm not advocating tonight that we go back to chanting Gregorian chants around these uh, antiphons. But I truly want to emphasize to my heart that I am ready and waiting for the Lord's return. The rising sun, O Orients. I want to see the Lord coming and the Lord coming soon. The phrase arrow cross was not made up by the early church. They made the acrostic up, but they chose deliberately to use this phrase arrow cross as tomorrow I will come to remind us of something very important. Tomorrow I will come. A play on Christmas Eve being the uh, traditional thinking around the date of the Lord's birth, but from the start, Advent was always about the second coming of Christ. Tomorrow I will come. And I want you to think that it's not necessarily tomorrow. It could be today. It could be tonight. It could be tomorrow. It could be the next day. But the early church used the phrase to remind themselves it's coming soon. When I think of tomorrow, tomorrow is coming soon. And the Lord's return is coming soon. And are we eagerly 
awaited? Are we excited? Are we as excited as my grandsons get when we show up at their place? We'll drive in their driveway and we won't have our doors open yet until they come pouring out of the house. There's currently five of them that can pour, pour out of the house. Soon there'll be six, but they come running out and they literally jump into our arms. They are excited to see us. It's joyful. I think it's because of the uh, gifts that Jill's bringing them, but um, it's also because we will text them a message the day before. We've learned not to show up by surprise. We'll text them the day before and say, tomorrow we're coming for a visit. And then we'll text them as we leave Ottawa. We're leaving Ottawa, we should be there in three hours. Then we'll text them when we're at Maydock and we'll say we're one hour from arrival. And then we'll text them about 10 minutes from arrival. And those kids are ready for us when we pull in the driveway. Wouldn't it be nice if the Lord would give us a text saying, tomorrow I will come. I'll be there in 10 minutes. Pretty nice. We would be different people, wouldn't we? We would not be people we are now. We would be eagerly awaiting. We would be dressed and in our right mind. And I think we would have gifts for our king. I want you to think about that a bit. But we don't get text messages. We are waiting patiently. We are watching for the rising sun. And so I take you back to thoughts of the Magi again. Magi were wise men, but they were noblemen. I think they were uh, star followers of some sort. They were watching the skies for some reason, and there would be a lot of astrology in those days, but they saw a star uh, they were watching for, and they noticed that this star had a particular purpose, and it guided them. So are we a people that are watching for signs? Are we looking around us and saying, oh, this is happening, this is happening, things are coming together? I think we are. I, I think I know uh, we see the signs. We see signal that things are happening. Look, the earth is groaning. We know what's going on. There are signs. The wise men, the magi, the noble ones, they were watching for those signs. And they were ready. They were ready to follow us. We don't get any sense of hesitation that, oh, maybe next year we'll go and see what we're up to. Childless bun. They, they saw the star. They followed us. They were ready to go. And they were overjoyed when they saw the baby. They were overjoyed when they saw more than the baby. They knew it was the Messiah, the King of Israel, that was prophesied for long ago. I want us to ask ourselves, to challenge ourselves, are we going to be overjoyed when the Lord returns? Jerry touched on it. <clears throat> We're living busy lives. He said maybe some of us would say, well, I just hope it's not till next year when uh, that big wedding we have planned happens. Let's, let's just have the wedding happen. Or, or let's wait until... I get this promotion at work, or let's wait until something else happens. We're prone to be like that, aren't we? We're, we're, we've got our plans, we've got things laid out. And 
Are we eagerly awaiting the Lord's return? Are we going to be overjoyed? Are we ready? And the Magi were prepared with something else besides their worship. They were prepared with gifts. It says, out of their treasures, they gave gifts. And I want us to think about what gifts do we have for the Lord on his return? We can think of our lives. That's a legitimate gift. We have chosen to bow our knee to acknowledge Christ as Lord and King of our life. We have given our lives over to the Lord for his leading. That's a legitimate gift. But I think there's another way to demonstrate gold, frankincense, and myrrh in our lives, and it's through our works. So in 1 Corinthians 3, Paul reminds us um, there's a day coming when your works are going to be judged. He would say you're building on someone else's foundation, foundation laid by the Lord Jesus, building on other people's works, building a church. You're to build with gold, silver, precious stones. And be warned, your works are going to be judged. They're going to be burned by fire. And those which are precious, the gold and precious stones will be revealed for what they are. And the straw and the stubble will be burned and, and uh, useless. And you'll be saved as if by your, your skin. So you're not going to lose your salvation on that judgment day, judgment seat of Christ. I want us to be challenged with the thought we can be bold to present our works before the Lord as works that would prove to be like gold and precious stones. If we're eagerly awaiting the Lord's return, if we're eagerly looking forward to a day when our works will be revealed, won't we be a different people? We would be motivated to do our best for the Lord. The Lord is coming tomorrow. I will come. We're to encourage each other with these thoughts, and I trust tonight you would be encouraged. I'm not saying go back to Latin. I'm not saying go back to chanting, but I'm saying tonight, is there a way you would be deliberate about your preparations for the Christmas to come and the second coming of Christ to come? What is it that we can do personally in our lives to encourage are thinking to be ready for the Lord's return, to be prepared with gifts to offer as a sense of worship to our glorious King. And as I think of the O antiphons and the wisdom of God, the Lordship of God, being the root Jesse, the key of David, the Orient's of rising sun, the King of the nations, and Emmanuel, God with us, I'm going to leave you with the words of this great hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. I'm not going to sing it, but if you know the history of this song, it was written as a response to the O antiphons of the early church. Each of the verses deals with one of the uh, words in the acrostic, Emmanuel, Wisdom, Adonai, O Rude Jesse, O Kia David, O Bright and Morning Star, O King of the Nations, I trust as you uh, go home, you could be humming this, this song, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel that mourns in lonely exile here until the Son of God appears. Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel, shall come to you, O Israel. If you've sung this song as a Christmas hymn about Christmas Day, 
No, it was intended for a song about the second coming of Christ. Uh, verse 6 says, Oh, come bright and morning star and bring us comfort from afar. Dispel the shadows of the night and turn our darkness into light. Might be ones that pray along those lines. Oh, come, O oh, king of nations, bind in one heart of all mankind. Bid all our sad division cease and be yourself. Our King of Peace. Wonderful words in this song, O come, O come, Emmanuel. But um, I trust tonight your hearts have been warmed a little bit with the thought that Christmas has meaning. Christ came, Emmanuel, God with us. Christ came with purpose, the wisdom of God uh, revealed in a baby to live amongst men, to die, to rise again, to, to be a, taken up into heaven. And the angels said the same way that he was taken up, he will come again, and we look forward to that day. Let's be ones that would be eager to see that day, to be overjoyed, to be prepared to worship, to prepare to offer our gifts to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. O come, O come, Emmanuel. Leave you with those thoughts tonight. Trust they were a blessing to you.